Yins guys, you're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast, where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Josh. Top of the morning to you, Jake. Top of the morning to you, laddie. <laughs> Happy St. Patrick's Day, buddy. Yeah. So we're actually recording this the night before St. Patrick's Day, but we thought we'd get in the spirit. Remember what it was like to have a DH on the Pirates? Well, think about how much Bob Walk can't stand the DH. How about starting extra innings with a runner on second just to try to finish the game sooner? Or all the talk about pitch clocks coming to baseball. Well, there's more on the horizon. Today, we're going to talk about more possible changes to MLB's rules. No DH in Pittsburgh this year. But not only is the DH coming sometime between 1 and 20 years, we're going to break down some more changes being tested this year in the minor leagues. We also have some more spring training updates. We're starting to get some answers on a potential opening day roster. So that's getting a little bit exciting here. First, we want to hear from you guys. Come check out our Facebook page. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll post the links in the show notes. You can find the links all over the place. Come hit us up. We want to hear what you want us to talk about. We want to hear comments on the things that we're talking about. Join the discussion. So let's start off this week with some roster moves. I, I, we were going to talk about some. Now it seems like we have even more to talk about. Yeah. So last Thursday, Trevor Cahill signs a major league deal for $1.5 million with another $1 million incentives. The incentives basically are all based on innings. 75 innings, 100,000. Just 25 more innings gets to 100,000. It's another 150,000. So that stacks on top of the first 100,000. And then there's basically 25,000 extra, 50,000 extra. Uh, it looks like 50,000 extra for every 75, 100, 125, 150, 175, and 300. I'm sorry, 170, 175 innings is the last one is 300K, which will get him to the full 1 million. Yeah. But that's basically the the deal that he's getting. The incentive basically is be on the mound and throw innings because that's what we need. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't see this signing being that exact what we need. Like, I don't think this is the guy that's going to eat a bunch of innings for us. I just he hasn't been that guy since early in his career. So we're going to talk a little bit about him. Because that is kind of interesting. To make room for him on the roster, unintentionally, Blake Cedarland was moved to the 60-day injured list with a injured ulnar collateral ligament, uh, UCL, basically, in his throwing elbow, and that's not good. They're hoping to avoid Tommy John surgery. That's basically, you have a UCL injury, you're talking Tommy John. They're getting a second yeah. opinion right now, so... What I know, I mean, Cedarland, it was uh, was thought to be the closer on the way. Triple digits with movement. I think his cup of coffee averaged 98.6 on his sinker, something like that. It's ridiculous. Jeez. Oh, he just turned 25, but like I said, he only pitched four innings last year, struck out four of the 16 batters he faced. He's kind of like that, a uh, lot of strikeouts, but also some walks. And that's kind of been his thing. Kind of what I always thought Tyler Glass now would have been had he made a full-time move to the bullpen. Yeah. Like maybe he could figure it out. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So let's go back to Trevor Cahill because according to what you just said, I think you might have a little bit of a different opinion than I do. It's going to be interesting to hear that because I see 
that this guy could bounce back to be a good pitcher. And I think, well, we know that the Pirates plan on him being in the rotation because he wouldn't have signed incentives to get up to 175 innings if he wasn't going to be in the rotation. Right. So he will be, and they said he's going to be a starting pitcher in Pittsburgh. So from what you know of Cahill, is that, does that make you feel any better? I mean, not particularly because he, I was listening to another podcast earlier today and they were talking about it and they were, they were bringing up some of these stats that, that, uh, you know, he, he, he's actually performed better out of the bullpen and, and he usually starts out as a starter and ends up in the bullpen. I'm not low on Trevor Cahill. I, I think he's a, I think he could, I think, like you said, he very well could have a bounce back year. He, he has stuff. He's, you know, he's a veteran. He's been around the game for a while. And hey, in my opinion, it's a low risk, high reward type guy, you know? Yeah. He's only 1.5 million. If he works out 2.5 million. Well, right. But if he works out, does he stick around the full season? Hopefully not. Or do they say, oh, look at this guy. You could throw him in your bullpen contender. Hey, you could throw him in the five spot in your rotation if he's doing good as a starter. That's interesting, though, because I have some notes here. I mean, this guy's been in the league for 12 years. He's went all over the place. Yeah. So let me take you a little quick timeline. I actually wrote a little bit of a quick timeline down here. Drafted by the A's, made an all-star appearance there. Three years, 3.91 ERA as a starter, leading the league in starts in 2011 with 34. Traded to the Diamondbacks, where he had two more good years under a four ERA, 32 starts in 2012, 25 games started in 2013. He struggled in 2014, and that's the first time he got moved to the bullpen. Ultimately pitched to like a 561 ERA that year. So obviously that's where it was like, okay, everything fell apart for Trevor Cahill. But still, one year out of all the his first five years in the league, he's he's been good. So Diamondbacks trade him to the Braves. And he pitched mostly out of the bullpen for the Braves. I don't, I think he maybe had a start, but it was all bullpen for the Braves, and he was terrible. He had a 7.52 ERA and 15 games out of the bullpen. The Braves gave up on him in July. The Cubs signed him in August, and he only made one start, but a 2.61 ERA and 61 games for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, he bounced back. And then it's been all over the place. Five teams in four years. Padres and Royals in 17. Good for the Padres as a starter, bad for the Royals as a reliever, uh, which is how the trade was made. And then the Royals said, well, he was good as a starter. Let's put him in our bullpen. The exact scenario you just brought up. And he was terrible for the Royals. That could have been other things too. 18, he went back to Oakland as a starter and had a 376 ERA. In 19, for the Angels, a mixed role, which is probably because he was bad as a starter, so they moved him to the bullpen and he continued to be bad. 598 ERA. 2020, he was with the Giants, a mixed role. But last year, he had a 324 ERA. So now, ninth team in 13 seasons. Yeah. I don't know the numbers from the years where he got bumped out of the rotation. So it sounds like when he got bumped to the bullpen, he did a little better. But I do know that the teams that put him in the bullpen right out of the bat got no, nothing from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I kind of, my impression was, oh, maybe he'll be a good starter and we just keep him out of the bullpen because he's terrible there. But it sounds like what 
your experience is makes me kind of backpedal on what I said, because maybe when they moved him to the bullpen, he was okay. Yeah, I I just most of the time when I see us, when I think of a starter getting going to the bullpen, it's because he's struggling. Mm-hmm. So I just I just kind of I didn't dig deep. Yeah. I just kind of took what, you know, he started out as a starter, went to the bullpen. They didn't release him. <laughs> so we'll see what we get from him, you know? Yeah. And as a starter, I mean, he he's going to be a starter, like I said. Yeah. But we'll, we'll just see if if it gets bad enough, maybe we'll move him to the bullpen. I don't I don't see that happening unless in those years he did improve when they moved him to the bullpen. Yeah. So I guess that is possible. So, but I, I like it because he's a veteran and I mean, he's had a lot of success, so he's going to help some of these younger pitchers, but also we know that in 2021, there's going to be a lot of starting pitchers for the pirates and for every, for every team. Yeah. There's just going to be a lot that, you know, I'm on the fence with that. I know every expert out there is saying like, these guys didn't have a big season last year. So basically you have everybody coming off injury is what it seems like because they had a sh- injury shortened season, but they weren't injured. So I feel like you, they, some of these pitchers are going to come back rejuvenated due to a, my arm had a nice break. Yeah. There's a rest factor there. That's a good point. But I think the idea of them stretching out and getting to, I mean, you see that a lot with the younger pitchers. They get they get gassed early when they first come into the league because they're not they're not like their endurance is not good for a hundred a hundred and fifty to two hundred innings. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that, and and that's what that's what the experts are saying too is that they're not stretched out. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it could go either way. Real like everybody's body's different, right? You know what I mean. Yeah, that that is interesting, though, because it I hope that there's more. Hey, we're going to take it easy on this guy than there is guys getting hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hopefully it's not like just a slew of injuries across the league. Yeah. So now uh, let's go ahead and get into those players that we were talking about. Let's go ahead and get into some statistics. Uh, This podcast will probably release at some point on Wednesday. There is a game at one o'clock on Wednesday. So none of this will be from that game. Key Brian Hayes, 10 of 24, just absolutely raking. Homered on Monday. He's got four doubles, a triple, hitting 417 OPS, 1253. I mean, the dude's just raking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Reynolds was three for 12 to start off. This is a guy that we kept saying, he's fine, he's fine. He's now six for 20, which is good enough for a 300 batting average. OPS of 917. He's got a homer, a double. He's getting walked. He's got a stolen base. Uh, he had in those three for tw- in that three for twelve uh, start. He had three Ks. He's still got three Ks. So he hasn't struck out since. In his last eight at bats, I mean, I know it's not a ton, but eight at bats, three hits. That's pretty good, right? Kevin Newman in the lineup again today. He went three for four. He's he's nine of fourteen. He continues to hit, and that's what we expect to see from Kevin Newman. Everybody, oh, you know, down year. Well, we'll see. He's a hitter. That's what he is. I mean, he's not, he's yeah. not a power hitter. No. But he's a, a hitter. consistent hitter. That's yeah. right. Cole Tucker, on the other hand, uh, had a hand injury. He's back from that. Uh, I feel like he's still just struggling a little bit. He hit a double the other day, which was nice to see. 
uh, but two for 12 so far. And that didn't help him when he was getting starting to get at bats. Then he had to go down for a few days. Mitch Keller will start the game uh, on Wednesday. So the day that we release this and I'm looking for good things out of him because he's pitched three innings and he's given up five hits and four runs. But I still feel like he's he's very positive about his outings. They're interviewing afterwards and he's like, yeah, I mean, there's some things I'm working on and it's going well. Uh, and before I go into the hitters, let me go into Steven Brault, six innings, five hits, three runs, five Ks, five walks. The five walks is like, ah, you know, but like I watched Brault pitch the game the other day and he really pitched well. He looked good. He threw one like hanging, breaking ball to Odubel Herrera and he smashed it. But then they were interviewing him later and he was like, yeah, he's like, I, he's like, I feel really good. I, I thought that was a really good outing. You want to get punished a little bit in spring. You want to feel that because you want to know pitches that you don't normally throw in certain situations. Spring training is the time to do that. Yeah. And so like Stephen Brault said, now I know that maybe a first pitch curveball that I ended up hanging. Like you want to know that because if you don't feel that, then it doesn't go forward. So I'm sure you can speak to this a little bit, but when guys are throwing in spring training, they're doing one of two things or maybe both things. They're stretching out and they're increasing their pitch count as they go. That's number yeah. one, right? They're just trying yeah. to get ready so they can go six, seven innings. Yep. And number two, they're throwing pitches that they're either working on or would not usually throw in that count, like I said, to see how it's going. Absolutely. And so I feel like there's some numbers that get a little swollen when a guy says, Hey, I'm going to go out there and just throw like 70% changeups because I got to see how, where this changeup works. Mm -hmm. And so like, you just see that kind of stuff. Tyler Anderson, nine innings. This is interesting here. Cause we've said, Oh, Tyler Anderson just brought him in. What, what's the deal? 17 hits, eight runs, four home runs. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, is this going to work? Well, He's got a 12 to zero strikeout to walk ratio. Hmm. So it seems to me like Tyler Anderson's probably working on some things. Yeah. And I think Mitch Keller can probably be put in that same category. David Bednar, whatever he's working on is working six hmm. innings, 11 strikeouts, two hits. If this guy doesn't make the club opening day, then I, that's, that's the answer that, that sound yeah. I just made. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back to some hitters. Todd Frazier hadn't got a hit for a couple podcasts. So uh, four for 21. <laughs> He's now hitting 190. Uh, I'm still not sure how you make room for him on the active roster. But then again, Philip Evans is only hitting 188 and he has options. So maybe that's a part right. of how Todd Frazier makes the team because they're going to play the same role. Yeah. But still, somebody's going to have to be off the 40 man roster in order for Todd Frazier to make it. So maybe there's some candidates of that as we move forward. Adam Frazier still hitting 10 of 15, a couple doubles, a triple a stolen base. He's raking Eric Gonzalez. We talked about him last week, six for 12. He's now seven for 21, which is still a 333 average, but he's cooled right. off a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Polanco legged out a triple on Monday. He's still hitting well. Uh, Anthony Alford got hit on the hand with a Corey Kluber pitch actually it was like the arm. It seems like they're saying that it's just a contusion, which is good because I feel like Anthony Alford was kind of showing that it's his job. 
I think Anthony Alford's our starting center fielder opening day. I think so, too. Troy Stokes Jr. is kind of surprising a little bit. He's hitting the ball well. So that's that's another guy, too. And I, I know that's a lot of names, but basically nothing has changed from what we've talked about so far. Everything seems to be laid out exactly the way that it was the last time we talked about these guys. You know, we made the note about Alfred. Frazier's still killing it. Newman's still killing it. Brian Reynolds is back. I guess that's the new kind of thing. He looks like he's hitting the ball well. Yeah. Anything else uh, on those guys? Uh, not really. I mean... It's the same story, right? Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you, though. And this is like a, like a two-parter here. Mm-hmm. Non-roster invitees. There's Goodwin and there's Stokes, who we just said has kind of been surprising, hit a couple bombs. He's hitting pretty good. And he looks like he's playing good defense, too. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Goodwin or Stokes stand a chance to get on the 40-man or active roster for opening day? And the reason I say 40-man is Stokes actually has two options if he's added. Right. Goodwin is is either active roster or he's being assigned to a minor leagues. Yeah. So let's start with that. I could see, and and it is the options game. I I, I see Stokes having a shot. I I don't see Goodwin having a shot to make this roster. Do you think he'd accept an assignment to AAA, knowing the year that we're about to go into, or do you think he'd try to become a free agent and see if he could land with another team? That's a good question. Then. Really, the only person that could answer that is Goodwin. Yeah, good one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it may, would make sense for him. I mean, you got – we don't have a ton of outfield outfield options, and if somebody goes down with an injury, he might be next man up. Uh, does Fowler or, or Oliva have to get DFA'd in order for one of those two to make it? I don't think so. What about? Well, I mean, at least Fowler. Do you think um, they can? You think they can DFA a pitcher to make room for them? I do because we have a boatload of pitchers right now. Yeah, and and they're not pitchers that are like they're not pitchers that are so good that if we DFA them, they're gonna be like, ah, I'll take my talent somewhere else. They're gonna probably just go. And yeah. I don't see a lot of people claiming some of them. I guess that's the thing. So I mean. Fulmer, we just DFA'd Fulmer because we signed Dwayne Underwood and Fulmer was picked up by the Reds and he hadn't fared well so far this spring, but he's a former high pick. At least I think he was a high prospect, but yeah, I mean, hasn't worked out yet, but yeah, I honestly, I don't see Fowler. I see Fowler getting DFA'd. That's what I think. And I think Stokes does get added in place of Fowler. Oliva is not. He's on our prospect list. Uh, He's not going anywhere. He has all three of his options now. He was just added. He's sticking around. I I don't think they just got Fowler in this year. I think if he's not working out, they DFA. And if somebody picks him up, they pick him up. If not, I think they're okay letting him go. Unless he shows up. Then I think there's a reason why they picked him up. But so far, I just haven't seen it. But yeah, that's our spring training update. Nothing else to add? I like what I'm seeing so far out of a lot of these guys. And I don't, I don't think, 
I like I said, this is being positive again. I don't think it's going to be as bad as a lot of people anticipate. It's just all about that pitching, whether it's going to hold up, whether it's going to stay healthy, whether, you know, what they're going to be able to do. And it looks a lot better than what I thought it would. Yeah. The bullpen has been totally revamped coming into this year. And I, I, I think it's at least interesting. Yeah. All right, next up, we're going to talk about some new rules that MLB is testing in the minor leagues. Hey, guys, Josh here. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. If you like what you hear, go down, click on the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Go ahead and tell your friends about it, too. All right, here we go, man. More MLB rules. And or not, I'm sorry, not MLB rules. These are minor league rules they're testing but they're testing it in a way to say these could come to the majors more rules so here we go larger bases is the first one this is going to be tested in triple a and i do you know if you have you read through the notes have you read through all of this do you know how big bases are now yes they're 16 inch squares have you always known that I guess not really because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's like home plate's 17 inches across. Okay. So actually, 15 inches is the size of a base, not 16. Oh. I actually didn't know that, but I'll tell you what, I didn't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've never right. thought about it. So in AAA this year, uh, I'll just read the rule here. To reduce player injuries and collisions, the size of first, second, and third base will be increased from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. The competition committee also expects the shorter distances between bases created by the increased size to have a modest impact on the success rate of stolen base attempts and the frequency at which a batter runner reaches base on ground balls and bunt attempts. So uh, the MLB article I read on this says... (laughs) That it also to note that there is a grippy material that it's made by that's a little, it's more, it stands up to wet weather better. Mm-hmm. So, like the guys slipping off the base, they're hoping that that doesn't happen as much when it's wet. But to throw it out there to say three more inches would, this is the article says, would theoretically lead to more ground balls and bunts getting beat out at first base and perhaps more successful stolen base attempts, thereby increasing both base traffic and action. I I like the thereby increase. If that happens, it will increase traffic and action. And I think that's great because I love stolen bases. I have a hard time realizing that three inches is going to make that big of a difference in not whether you're safe or out, because we know that that could, but to say that I'm, I mean, I was a base stealer when I played, right? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine I would have been like three more inches. Dude, I'm running all the time. Well, <laughs> okay. So not, let's, let's throw this out there too. It's not really just three inches. Okay. So if it goes three inches in, three inches in, that's six inches. Well, off. no, but, but 15 to 18 inches square. So from first to second. From the middle of the bag, it's only going to go an inch and a half out each side. So an inch and a half towards first, an inch and a half from first towards second. So three inches. Sure. 
But I, okay, but that's still that's still my next point still holds true because that is a larger area that the shortstop slash second baseman, whoever is covering the bag, has to worry about your hand sneaking in. That's fair. That that gives. I mean, slides are already getting ridiculous. These guys are avoiding tags like crazy, and now they have a little bit more base to work with. But I just don't think that in my head as a base runner mm-hmm. that that's going to entice me to run more. I guess maybe not. That's maybe fair. there's somebody early on that it does, and then other people start picking up. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I guess I don't have a big, I was not a base stealer. I stole, I stole a couple times and I was safe every time, but that's only because they were like, this guy ain't going to run. Yeah. (laughs) But But we're actually going to get into that a little bit more too, because you were a pitcher. Yes. And so when we get down to some of these other ones, there is going to be more base stealer versus pitcher conversations that I know (laughs) that we're probably going to have. But yeah, I... Do you think it's going to increase ground balls, bunts, and stolen base attempts? That's my question to you. No, I don't think a hitting approach will change. I don't think bunts will change. Uh, you, you might see an, a tiny bit more of the bunts. But as far as hitting more ground balls, I mean, are guys going to beat out some of the miss hits? Yeah. But I don't think guys are going to change their approach and be like, I'm going to hit the ball on the ground and beat it out. But do you think that do you think that while that won't change plate approach, do you think it'll change stolen base attempts? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Okay, so double A, defensive positioning. There are restrictions this year. All four infielders must have their cleats within the outer boundary of the infield dirt when the pitch is delivered. So Yeah, the rule says the defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield, each of whom must have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. Depending on the preliminary results of this experimental rule change, MLB may require two infielders to be positioned entirely on each side of the base in the second half of the double-A season. These restrictions on defensive positioning are intended to increase the batting average on balls in play. This is a, I, I like the shift. I like analytics. I like being able to play to the best, but I mean, careers have been altered because of Babbitt, <laughs> because of batting average on balls and play. Yeah. So the one that's, that's, that's happening, let's not go about two on each side. Let's not even deal with that right now. You can have infielders wherever you want. However, They can't be outside of the dirt. This actually bothers me because when I played second base, I like to play like two, three steps in the grass to cut off the angle between me and the first baseman. I could cut that off because you could keep going into shallow right field and still be able to make the throw. Yeah. So this is kind of like, oh man, like I understand what you're saying. I understand what they're doing, but I hate that it's, I mean, you got to make a cut. You got to make a mark. Yeah. You got to be able to, you know what I mean? And if I stand, let's talk about the, the two two on each side. Mm-hmm. If I'm the shortstop, I can, I can stand right by second. And as soon as he releases the ball, I can take off running and still cover that side of the field and be within the rules. 
So this way, it's a little more cut and dry. There's a line. There's grass. There's dirt. You got to have both feet there. Right. I kind of wish it was one foot. I think that'd be good enough. I think if they do this, they're going to have to end up putting in a regulation on how deep the infield's allowed to be. And it's just going to, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, we can't play that deep, but we want to. So we're just going to extend our infield another seven feet. Yeah. I'm, I wonder if there already is. I actually don't know that. I don't either. Hmm. I, I bet there is. Because there's already a regulation on the base path sizes and you know what I mean? I, I bet yeah. there's one on that. What what would be interesting to well no, this is the the out the infield outfield. So yeah, it says the outer boundary. So it won't matter about like if I want to play up on a bunt, I can still play up on a bunt. Right. right. Okay. Okay. So they'll be able to shift. The shortstop will be able to go on the second base side uh in this rule. They just have to be in the dirt. You think there's going to be as many shifts where the shortstop still goes over? I mean, that's a good question. Uh, probably. I mean, they're probably still going to do it. I yeah, because they're so still too. expecting this guy to pull the ball. Maybe not quite as far because that you don't have the the one deep guy, so their range will hit each other. Sure. But yeah, I think they'll still. I think they'll still shift over there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's going to work? Do you think that it will increase batting average on balls in play? I do. I think it'll, I think it'll, there'll be more hits that wouldn't have been hits. That, that one that goes in between second and first is a routine ground ball. And I think it's going to get by the second baseman though. With that said, I like it. Are you saying, are you saying though, that without the shift or without the deep guy, without the deep guy, because if I hit a line drive, that's going to go between the first baseman and second baseman and he's way back there. Mm -hmm. Well, he's got time to get over and get it. Right. Where if he's far in the infield and I can get it in between him and hit it hard enough, it's going to sneak through more often. Yeah, absolutely. And it and, should. And I, I think it, I think not only will it work, but I think I like it. I do too. I, I just, I've never been a big fan of the shift myself. Yeah. Okay. So high A are, they're going to do a step off rule. <laughs> and this is where you're going to have to answer some questions for me because. I don't get it. A pitcher has to step off the rubber in order to attempt a pickoff move. And I don't understand it. The MLB okay. site says that by forcing pitchers to fully step off the rubber before attempting a pickoff, then the moves by left-handers, think Andy Pettit and those guys, mm-hmm. to raise the right knee up and throw to first is eliminated. Mm-hmm. Here's the rule. Pitchers are required to disengage the rubber prior to throwing to any base with a penalty of a balk in the event that a pitcher fails to comply. MLB implemented a similar rule in the second half of the Atlantic League season in 2019, which resulted in a significant increase in stolen base attempts and improved success rate after adoption of the rule. <laughs> Duh. I mean, I don't <laughs> Right. If, if I can go on first move on a lefty, then basically I have the same advantage as a righty, as a base time. It's about time. (laughs) Lefties had that advantage and now they don't. However, the rest of the, uh, of the, of what the article said when it, when it mentioned Andy Pettit, it says snap throws followed by the step off are prohibited. Snap throws. 
how can a left-handed pitcher attempt a pickoff move? So I understand the, the leg lift, throw to first, can't do it anymore. But what is a snap throw if it's not him just stepping off the back of the rubber and throwing to first? I think they're, the snap throw is lifting your leg, going towards first, throwing it. That's what they're taught. That's what they're referring to. Because as long as he steps off the back of the rubber, he can snap throw it over there. No, because this says snap throws followed by the step off are prohibited. That's what I don't understand about the article because it says in the rule, it just says pitchers are required to disengage the rubber prior to throwing to any base. So all that means so is he if must I'm a have left to step, he doesn't have to step. No, he must have to. Step. He must. You're saying he must have to step. That's that's kind of what I'm getting. He's got to step off the back of the rubber, step and throw. I'd like to he I'd can't. like to come back and see how this because a snap throw to me, unless it's the righty, no. No, the snap throw to me is when the if as a left-hander you come to the set position, you you take your step back like backwards off the rubber yeah. and you don't step towards first, you just throw the ball over. Right. He's going to have to take a step off the back, step and throw. That's ridiculous. So lefties who probably pick off 70% of guys leading off of all the pickoffs there are. I bet lefties cover 70% of those outs. <laughs> and now it's like, can't do it. Yeah. And they're not going to pick anybody off. How could you ever get picked off by a lefty now? Unless they mean the righties stepping off the front of the rubber. Maybe righties are going to have to step off the back as well. They already do. So the MLB site also says that this could have an impact on the pitcher-hitter dynamic as well. If the pitcher is more mindful of the running game, he may throw more fastballs in the zone, leading to more offensive action. So my next question to you, because you are a pitcher, do you think that this rule will change how pitchers attack hitters? I don't think it'll drastically change. There's, there's so many other ways you can hold runners on without actually throwing the ball over uh when i pitched in college we had a we had a system where it was red green yellow and if the runner on first base was a big time threat to run if billy hamilton's sitting over at first base we're in red you know he's he's probably gonna run so we're gonna we're gonna take the ball we're gonna hold it we're gonna hold it we're we're gonna we're gonna make the batter call timeout. we're gonna hold it for so long we're going to mix up you mix up your looks basically but you have a pitch um, clock well that's a good point cuz i didn't have to worry about a pitch clock yeah if this makes it there's a pitch clock i mean i yeah. think they're playing with a pitch clock anyway in high a i yeah. think they're still doing that so but more specifically are you going to throw more fastballs in the zone not necessarily and you're not going to throw your change up if you think he's running right so maybe it does. Well, here's here's the other thing. Are you going to slide step if you think a guy's going to run, or are you just going to pick your leg up like you always do? Because they don't even hardly step. ever slide step in the major leagues anymore. Do you think that changes? I hope. I just, <laughs> I, at being a pitcher, I was always taught to slide step with guys on, not every time, but. Did you feel like you had your velo on a slide step like you did when you lifted yeah, your leg? absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's interesting. I don't know if they will. I mean, I threw 82. 
<laughs> Fair point. All right, so <laughs> let's go to the low A. Pickoff attempt limits. I love this one. So in all of low A, there's low A southeast, low A west that they're talking about. And they're going to do this plus they're each going to have their own too. But this rule is, is the pickoff attempt limits. Okay. Pitchers will be limited to a total of two step-offs or pickoffs per plate appearance while there's at least one runner on base. A pitcher may attempt a third step-off or pickoff in the same plate appearance. However, and this is crazy, if the runner safely returns to the base, the result is a balk. But if you get him out, he's out. <laughs> But if you don't get him on that third try, it's a balk. He goes the second. This is a mess. <laughs> Depending on the preliminary results of this experimental rule change, MLB will consider reducing the limitation to a single step off or pick off per plate appearance with at least one runner on base. The second part is ridiculous, but I love the three strikes and you're out. Quit throwing three, four, five, six times that bat just to mess with the hitter. Dude, if you think he's stealing, throw a pitch out. Like I just, and this is just step-offs. Yachty Molina snapping off a pickoff after a pitch is totally fine. Right. So if you want to keep him close, let your catcher throw down first more often. But I actually like this rule. I do. I'm I'm not. I'm not on board with this rule. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, you're just putting too many too many restrictions now and and we're just basically saying get on first go ahead take second <laughs> well but here's the thing though is these are all in different levels so low a is not playing with bigger bases right they're not playing with the step off rule you know what i'm saying yeah but but here's the thing do you miss stolen bases do you miss when you're going to a game and somebody runs because here's the thing pitching and catching if you're a pitcher or if you if you're really deep into baseball, that's really exciting. The battle between pitcher and hitter is mm -hmm. really exciting. But if you're a casual fan, you're just waiting for him to hit it. You're waiting for something to happen. Now, if you do increase stolen base attempts, I love it. I'm all for I love stolen bases. I love stolen base attempts, but I don't like it if it's going to make they're just going to make it easy. I don't think in this situation it's easy. I think what you I think what they're stopping here, the only way it's easy is if you've thrown two. Yeah. If you've thrown twice, now the now the base runner can say, Well, now I'm going. But if he takes that extra step and I throw one more time thinking you're getting too aggressive, if I can get you out on that one more time, I got and I could you could really throw a base runner off throwing that third time. I like that because it's a game within a game. You already have a game with the batter and the the, the hitter and the pitcher. Mm -hmm. But now you're going to have more of a game instead of just, I'm keeping him close. I'm keeping him close. Or sometimes they're throwing pickoff moves just to make the at bat last longer. I like this. I don't, because I don't know if that's true. I don't think the cat and mouse with the base runner has anything to do with the hitter. Oh, I do. I think it messes with their timing. I think it irritates hitters when you won't throw a pitch to them. And then all of a sudden you slide step and, you just think he's going to throw to first again. I definitely think that the that there's a lot of times they're throwing to first, not even to avoid pitching because they're not afraid of the hitter. They're doing it to mess with the hitter's time. 
maybe you never, maybe you never did that, but these guys that face these guys all the time and they, you didn't have video on the guys you played like they do. Right. You know what I mean? So I, what I don't like is I don't like the pitch clock. And this to me is a better answer for what a pitch clock could be. Because the, the only reason I don't like a pitch clock is we make the argument. There's no clock in baseball. Yeah. And I actually like that, but this and the, the mound visit rules and these things are things that are still going it, to, it's not about making the game shorter. It's about keeping action, making sure something's happening in the game. Right. So this keeps things moving because a pickoff move is not action the way that they do it half the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not doing it to try to get a guy out. They're doing it just so he doesn't take a big lead. Right. So anyway, low A West, we're going to move on here because low A West is going to play with the, the pickoff limit and a more aggressive pitch clock of 15 seconds. Jeez. In addition to the limitations on step-offs and pickoffs, Following successful pace of play rules tested among Florida State League teams in 2019, blah, 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 blah. Basically, I'm not going to read that whole thing. It's 15 seconds instead of 25. I don't like it because I don't like the pitch clock. Yeah, I don't either. I don't mind. Gonna the put, only clock that I don't mind is mound visits. Like, let's wrap it up, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But Commercial breaks. Yeah. Here's the big one. In low A Southeast... They're going to do the step-off limits, but here we go. I'm going to read it straight from the rules. In addition to the limitations on step-offs and pickoffs, MLB will expand testing of the automatic ball strike system, the ABS, that began in the Atlantic League and Arizona Fall League. So low A Southeast games to assist home plate umpires with calling balls and strikes to ensure a consistent strike zone is called and determine the optimal strike zone for the system. Robot umpires. Robot umpires. So here's the, from the MLB article I read, long proposed, the automated balls and strikes system will finally become reality in affiliated ball with this experiment. Though a human umpire will still be positioned behind home plate, the Hawkeye tracking system will be used to deliver an audio signal to the home plate ump who will then relay the ball or strike call. The goal here, obviously, is improved accuracy and reduced controversy. The automated calls have been tested previously in the Atlantic League and Arizona Fall League, and the tech has proved uh, has progressed to the point where MLB wants to see it in a full season league in order to properly assess its impact. Where are you at with this one? You like the human element, or are you warming up to just getting it right? I still like the human element. I get where they're going with it. I just don't feel like baseball needs it. Is it that big of a deal to have a hitter argue a call? No. Just let him argue. Yeah, like, you're going to take arguments. You're going to take arguments completely out of it. Right. I kind of like the test of self-control. Right? <laughs> it is what it is. You can't change it anyway, but they're still going to get mad. But now... It's going to be this whole other level of, of frustration because you're going to be like, oh, well, I guess I can't argue because it's a computer is perfect. Yeah. I, 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 the umpire will still be there. 
Yeah. So there's still going to be something to be said there. He's still going to call balls and strikes. This audio signal, though, if it's even remotely off or the wrong one gets sent and he's like, oh, my gosh, it was right down the middle, but it said ball. Right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. This is going to be interesting to see. I do not want it to happen. Soapbox moment right here. I have thoughts about change. (laughs) Because I'm a traditionalist when it comes to baseball. But I read some things that Manfred said, who I typically wouldn't. I mean, like, I don't think he's been great (laughs) by any means. But he said a few things that really made me think about change in baseball. I think there are things that change. And I think that there are like the way that we play changes, obviously. The bat flips and the things like that that you couldn't do years ago. Right. Without getting plunked. And I think that's stupid. Like I, I'm, I'm there. If you want to flip a bat and celebrate with your team, I'm totally for it. Like. Same. And if you're a pitcher that gets offended by that, then throw a better pitch. So this isn't those sort of things. The players and the decision makers in baseball are naturally changing the game. Pitchers and hitters are taking more time between pitches than they used to. That's why they're trying to put a clock in. So it's not that they're trying to put a clock in to try to speed things up unnaturally. But the truth is, is they're taking a lot of time. Uh, pitchers are not strike throwers anymore. I think of Greg Maddox type guys. Instead, they're trying to get chases. The the increased chases and the walks and strikeouts are up. Walks are up. Both of which take more time than putting the ball in play. So they're making these changes to try to put the ball in play again. So they're kind of going back to the way baseball was. The game's already changed. These changes could possibly be considered as a way to keep the game from changing or to change it back to the way it was when it was more exciting. Right now, it's the three true outcomes. If you're either walking, you're home, or you're striking out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that maybe all he's trying to do is to keep action moving. And for once, I think he's kind of got it. Like, if this is just a way to shorten the length of games, I'm out. Right. But these rule changes have to... Uh, be in, they have to go parallel uh, to doing as much as you can to make it appealing to people. You're saying you want more people watching and this is why you're doing it, right? Right. So if you want to make this more appealing, then uh, the biggest thing for me is give the fans a better, more consistent opportunity to watch games. If you're going to ban pickoff moves, then ban blackouts. I love that idea. People are not watching cable as much as they used to. And even if they are, there's no guarantee that the cable channel is even going to show your team at your house. Right. People are streaming YouTube TV, DirecTV, Hulu, Sling, whatever it is. AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh does not even have an option to stream Pirates games other than using their app if you're a subscriber of a cable channel that has AT&T Pittsburgh. Right. So basically, if, you, if you're a cable cutter, you can't watch live pirate games. If you're going to consider a robot umpire, which, by the way, involves technology, <laughs> then I think that you have the technology to get rid of blackouts. There should be a tier of MLB TV 
where blackouts are completely removed. Yeah. Maybe it's only for your team, but there has to be something. Well, that's just like the other day that I wanted to watch one of the spring trainings. I use YouTube TV and I wanted to watch a spring training game. And because I'm in the Pittsburgh network, which YouTube TV does not have AT&T Sportsnet, they were showing the Pirates game. Not only were they showing the Pirates spring training game, it was at like eight in the morning. So you know it wasn't live. Right. Blacked out. No way. Why? It's not even live. And spring training games aren't even supposed to be blacked out. Blacked out. Program is not available. But see, that's the other thing is I, I have YouTube TV as well, and I'm in Central Ohio. Cleveland and Cincinnati sports networks, which were both Fox, are pulled off of YouTube TV because of money. So if you lived in this area, which by the way, nobody carries AT&T Sportsnet. If you live in this area, nobody carries it as a regional network. Hmm. However, MLB sees this as in-market for Pittsburgh. Makes no sense. I'm out of luck there. I had to get that off my chest. That's my soapbox for the day. (laughs) (laughs) So here's my question. Do you eventually, do you see these eventually coming to the MLB? If so, what ones do you think are coming to MLB? And before Jake answers this, I want to plug this uh, for, for the listeners. Get on our Facebook and let us know what ones you like and what ones you think will at some point make their way to, to major league baseball. But what do you think, Jake? What do you think? Larger bases, I think will end up coming. I mean, they could do that in an off season and no one would really even notice. It's so subtle. You're not going to have, wow, bases look big this year. It's just not going to happen. The only way it's coming is if it makes a difference, right? Right. Okay. Uh, I, I hope to see the defensive positioning rules come into the major leagues. Cause I'm not a fan of the shift. Um, whether that be, you know, we, we talked about them already, whether that be having all, you know, two on either side of second or, you know, whatever they decide to do, I think it needs addressed. Um, and, and I think, I think they're on the right track. I just don't like to see that line drive their short right field from a lefty. That, That should be a hit. He earned a hit. I I think, I think it's interesting. I, I think I see that one coming for sure. And I think that's what it is. It's just an adjustment to the way we play. Yeah. And I, I and it does go back. It is more traditional baseball to have two guys on each side. I that that's just goes back to that. I'm not afraid of these changes because I don't think that they're fundamentally changing baseball. Right. Hey, I do have a uh, I do have a note from last week's episode. We talked a lot about whether or not people are going to show up and everything. Well. Wednesday, tomorrow, or today, when you're listening to this, the tickets are supposed to go on sale for the first X amount of games. At, as, as of 6 p.m. Tuesday, they're holding off. We're delaying this. Uh, I guess Monday, the governor of PA made eased some restrictions of outdoor events. Mm. So remember we talked about like, hey, this was a Pittsburgh thing to say 20%. Well, now Pennsylvania is saying, hey, we're easing this a little bit. So now Pittsburgh has an opportunity to say, okay, well, what's our number? And I don't know what the number is. I actually, I haven't, this just was 6 o'clock p.m. I don't really know. 
but the the first 12 home games were supposed to be on sale and they're not going to be now. So that's interesting. It looks like they're going to let more people in, which may limit the ability for the pirates to actually sell out. (laughs) (laughs) So all that talk last week about they will sell out. Well, they still might. I mean, they still might. I I have no idea what that number is out there. Just itching to go to a game. Itching Itching. to go do something. Itching. No, I'm there. I'm there. But just to say, you know what I mean? I, it's going to be interesting. I still don't think you're going to have much less than 8,000. If you have ever have less than 8,000. So, right. But they are not going to go on sale because they're working with the state and the local officials to figure out what their number is now. I think it's good. It's certainly good. I know that Ohio said 25% in Cleveland, Cincinnati. And I know that Texas is 100%. Everybody's allowed in. So, interesting. I just want to reiterate, guys, as we wrap this episode up here, Pirates aren't as bad as you think. So unless something prompts us to change our plans next week, we're going to do some predictions, some 2021 predictions. So before we do so this week, let us know your modest predictions along with your wild predictions for this year. Facebook, Twitter, easiest ways to hit us up, but let us know what you think the record will be, how many home runs the team leader will have, or if you want to do the math, the whole team, whatever your, whatever your predictions are, we're going to try to throw our best ones out there and we're going to do modest and we're going to do wild. That's all we have for today. Happy St. Patrick's day. Enjoy your day, lads. Let's go box. Let's go box. Let's go box.